listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I'm joined by Matthew Handrahan, Rebecca Valentine, and Chris Dring. And today we're talking about Epic versus Apple and Epic versus Google. Uh, Rebecca, you were reporting this as it all happened last night. Oh my um, God. Oh my while God. we were in the middle <laughs> of our own event. So we ran our Changing Channels event yesterday. And while trying to do the last couple of panels and then like the post-event post networking, you unfortunately were just thrown all of this. I'm going to attempt to summarise, but you can, you can offer us a bit more depth. Epic Games changed something in Fortnite. They added a, a, a way in Fortnite for people to pay Epic directly for V-Bucks and offer discounted price if you do direct payments. This is in violation of Apple's uh, rules and indeed Google Play's rules where they get a 30% cut of all in-game transactions, all revenues that go through their store. Apple's response was to remove the game from uh, from the App Store and Epic, you know, Google later on did this. Fortnite's response was to put out a pre-prepared CGI video about the evil tyrannical <laughs> Apple and how it's it's going for this 1984 style world, which this morning I learned is a parody of an advert that Apple ran in 1984. Yeah, it's it's quite a famous. It's a very it's a very very famous advert. Iconic. What, what can I say? It, was, it aired two years before I was born. That's my excuse. Well, I'll only say that it, it seems to speak to just maybe Tim Sweeney's way of thinking about what people actually know. Like, I, yeah. Rebecca, you can drill into this because it's in your piece, but like the, the gulf between understanding the subject and the nature of Fortnite's audience is quite broad, I would say. Right. I'll, I'll let James finish, though. Well, the, the only conclusion is like Epic also happened to have prepared lengthy illegal documents and is now suing Apple uh, for removing the game. Uh, at this point, I'm now going to turn to you, Rebecca, because you know a lot more than I do. Right. I mean, the way this played out was absolutely fascinating if if this kind of thing is of interest to you, which apparently it is to me now that I've worked here for two and a half years. Um, it, it starts so the, in the morning. We all woke. Well, I'm in the U.S. I woke up to Fortnite saying, hey, yeah, we're we're implementing direct payments in Fortnite on on App Store and Google Play. If you have it on mobile, you can do direct payments. And the way they phrased it, the, the way they were doing it specifically is you got a discount if you did the direct payment because Apple or Google was no longer taking a 30% cut. So the idea is, oh, we're passing that savings on to you if you do the direct payment. So a couple, like a few hours later, um, news started going around that Apple had removed Fortnite from the App Store. And then like a couple hours after that, Epic comes back, says it's filing this lawsuit, and then also dumps this video into Fortnite. It's playing in Fortnite. Like they broadcasted it all over their social channels, but they also did like kind of a similar thing to when they, they've aired other movies and other things in Fortnite before. They basically have like an option when you open the game where you can go in and watch whatever it is you want to watch and kind of hang out instead of like, you know, trying to murder each other like you normally do. Um, so they broadcast that. And then a few hours after that, Google removes... Fortnite from Google Play and I believe this was like towards the end of the day for me and all of you were moseying to bed because it had been a long day of a digital event and I think I put something in the slack where I was like okay I'll be back in two hours when Epic sues Google and lo and behold like two hours later Epic said they were suing Google um it's really fascinating. They're they're specifically suing them. They're, I mean, they're mentioning the 30% cut, but the focus of both lawsuits, um, and specifically Apple's, but they have kind of a way of phrasing it in Google's as well, 
uh, is that these, these platform holders essentially are having a monopoly on the market, right? Like they are forcing people into their ecosystem and then they are taking this massive cut of all the payments from this ecosystem that you can't, on Apple, you can't exist on, as an app on an iOS device without being in the app store. Like it's just impossible. And on Google, you can, like Fortnite is still technically on Android phones. You just have to go to the Epic website to get it. But their argument in Google's case is that you, you can exist, but you there's no possible way to be successful on an Android phone without being on Google Play. And they're arguing that they basically like cornered this market and have such a tight hold over it that you have to follow all of their rules. You have to do anything they want. You have to give them a 30% cut or you you just can't exist. And they, they're saying that's not fair. They're comparing it to, um, and this is a court, this is like a legal thing that I know less about, um, but it's back when uh, my, like uh, Windows and, and PC was forced to open up basically, yeah. right? Like you could just have whatever on yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah. kind of the comparison. Well, one key difference though is that what, what, what Epic has effectively done is sort of leveled antitrust lawsuits against uh, Apple and Google. And antitrust is something that's generally dealt with on almost like the governmental level by like the Monopolies and Mergers Commission. I, I don't know enough about it to know whether like private companies have kind of leveled these kinds of suits against monopolistic companies before. I'm, sh- I'm sure it has, but, but Microsoft was kind of... Um, what Apple is currently being investigated for this very thing, and they're being investigated by like the European Commission. They're up in front of Congress. That's what happened to Microsoft uh, over Windows back in the nineties, and and it was kind of like stripped down off the back of that. So Apple and Google are under this spotlight at the moment, and I think it raises some pretty interesting questions about what Epic's precise motivation was, because I think, as you pointed out, Rebecca, in your piece, it was. Calculate. I mean, you had an excellent line in your article, which was basically like, Epic laid the bait and Apple bit, right? Like, like this was a calculated move to get Apple to act in a certain way that would allow them to fling a lawsuit in Apple's direction based on, based on charges that Apple is currently not being tried over, right? But like it's being investigated by Congress, by the European Commission over these kinds of problems, these monopolistic activities. So it's this very odd thing where I wonder what the end game is for Epic, whether it's serious about winning a suit against either of these companies or whether it's just trying to like fan the flames that were already kind of burning around the base of these companies. Epic is absolutely trying to position itself as pro-consumer here. And I, I, <laughs> you shouldn't be taken in by that. Um, but when you, again, when you look at the, the filings, they are saying we don't, they don't want Apple to pay damages. They're like, we're not seeking damages for this. We're not seeking any kind of payment directly to us. What we want is injunctive action. Like we want them to basically be forbidden from having this tight hold on the market. We want them to have to open up their marketplace. We want them to stop taking this 30% cut because we are nice. We are the benevolent multi-billion dollar corporation Epic and we want things to be wonderful for all developers. And, And in a sense, I mean, that itself is probably not wrong. Like, I mean, if Apple, if Apple and Google stop taking such a, a steep cut from everybody, I mean, they're, they're not wrong. Like, I mean, that would be better for developers, but also there's there's absolutely no argument. Like, this is for Epic. Epic. Well, well, no, but I, I do disagree with that to a degree. I mean, Epic wants it for Epic, yes, but it's not that like you're either 100% altruistic or you're 100% evil. Everything is between those two poles. What Epic really is saying, and it's not saying it like this, but I... I think this is what Epic is thinking is you can take a smaller cut than these guys are and still get rich. So we're going to take, and this is what they did with the Epic Game Store, right? 
It's like you don't need 30% to be an enormously wealthy company. We can take, you know, whatever it was, 12%, and we still get 8% of everything or whatever after everything's said and done. And that still makes us very wealthy as a result of all these transactions. You just don't need to fleece people to this degree. So I think the way Epic's painted itself in this instance is as a, an, you know, as a freedom fighter, effectively. And that is obviously horseshit. But in reality, I think Epic, Epic's understanding of this is more nuanced. Like, it sees an opportunity for it to topple existing powers replace them and in doing so in become very rich while giving everybody else a fairer deal i do actually think that epic does believe that these are bad things and we have a better idea that's fairer to everyone i do believe that i also believe that epic wants to be even wealthier and more powerful than it is right now and become effectively the new apple the new google or whatever so i think both of those ideas are, are right at exactly the same time I think that is even more apparent when you look at that absolutely ridiculous video they made and put into Fortnite. Like, it, it's very easy to sort of laugh at it, right? Because you watch it, and so the the video, the original ad that Apple put out in 1984, I went back and watched it, um, it's it's like this Orwellian thing where the, the there's all these, like, kind of, like, very faceless, like, black and white, um, you know, human beings who are being, you know, controlled by the state, and they're being, like, marched into this room, and there's Big Brother on the TV, you know, spouting propaganda, and then this, this woman who is the only, th- like, person Person who, she's the only thing with any like color on her anywhere in the room. She's like all dressed in bright colors and she comes in and she swings the sledgehammer and smashes it into the screen. And I, I was not alive in 1984, so I don't really know co- really what the context Apple was trying to play it, with it here, was, but they were basically. It, it was uh, PC users, basically. Ah, uh, okay. Like, so you're you're a mindless the- drone PC user here. Welcome to the future. That was the idea. Right, so there, there's there's a smashing. It's very clearly an ad for a personal computer. Like that, that's exactly what it is. Um, so, but this is very weird. It it puts uh, in in a very on the nose uh comparison. Uh, Epic put uh the instead of Big Brother being up on the computer speaking to the crowd, it is uh, a literal uh. A sentient apple speaking to the crowd which it's in the Fortnite style like they have a sentient banana in the game so like the, it's it's very it, it's funny in that sense and then this this Fortnite heroine comes in and does the same thing she like swings the sledgehammer uh, breaks it all open and then um, they have this they have this statement that appears it says uh Epic Games has defied the App Store monopoly. In retaliation, Apple is blocking Fortnite from a billion devices. Join the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984. It's it's the weirdest corporate propaganda. Is, oh my god. This is the most cringeworthy part. And this is something I saw a lot of people on Twitter last night saying, "Oh, really not sure about this." Is the way I saw it phrased, and I absolutely agree, is, is you are weaponizing your fan base against a, a, another company in a legal dispute. And I'm not sure if, if, if people are aware, but gamers, when angry, can get angry and can get toxic. And like it's of all the the user bases to to weaponize. I'm not singling out Fortnite. I'm singling out all gamers who are who. I mean, we've we've seen it. We've seen it against Epic with the Epic Game Store, like all the boycotts and the abuse that was off to the Ublitz developers. Like, I don't understand why Epic, having ex- almost exactly a year ago condemned the sort of treatment to Ublitz developers and people like that, then send it out this kind of rallying cry. Well, I would guess, uh, I would guess that Epic would defend itself on the grounds of it being pastiche, being. A pastiche of a classic advert. Now, the thing I was alluding to at the very start was the fact that 
I was three years old with that when that advert first aired. The only reason why I know that it exists is I think it was directed by like either Ridley Scott or Tony Scott. Like it's a, you know, it's like anyway, like someone who went on to be a very very big director directed that advert, and I was at film school and I learned about it that way. If you were actually alive, sentient, able to understand what you were watching when that advert originally aired, when it caused the stir that it did, you would have to be, what, generously 45 years old? I'm guessing that the average Fortnite player is not 45 years old. So who in Fortnite is going to get the joke? Now, I would say that it's a joke is a very weak defense on its face, but I would anticipate that if this does cause the unrest and the the vitriolic response which it feels like it probably will end up doing that the epic might defend itself on those grounds but it doesn't that defense doesn't make sense either because that is not the audience you are talking to the audience you're talking to are not going to think oh that's the pastiche i mean you know like you yourself you yourself said batch you only found out this morning that it was a pastiche of an advert so to everybody else it's not going to look like a joke it's going to look like a very direct statement free fortnight apple is bad you know, help us to overthrow. Apple is coming. Yeah. Is coming to take away your video yeah, right, game, exactly. and we're standing up. We're the hero. We're gonna fight back. Come join us. When when you put something though in Fortnite, you're not talking to just gamers in Fortnite. Like, it's such a big game. I mean, I completely agree. When you're weaponizing gamers, it's very dangerous, right? as we've seen in a you know in countless examples. But I don't think that's what what nobody gamers nobody nobody cares that Apple are taking a thirty percent cut of apps. Apart from game developers and creators of stuff, that nobody can, my I don't you know people who don't make these things and don't work in those worlds they don't they just don't care. General consumers do not care, and that was evident by the fact that when Epic Game Store came out and said we're going to be giving more money back to developers, gamers said you're evil, right? And it was this, it was this, it was it. Gamers don't care. Um, so what that's so what they're doing is they're trying to create public interest in something that public isn't actually interested in. Uh, in a in an effort to raise that awareness, so Fortnite, yes, it, it, it looks like you're targeting the Fortnite audience, but that's going to end up on the BBC. That's going to end up on every single major new CNN and all the major news articles. It's going to get out and spread out over social media. What Epic's doing is a very public um, uh, thing to try and get uh, uh, the Joe Joe consumer interested in something that actually they're not actually that interested in, um, and which of course. You know, I don't disagree with anyone's statements here that that's that's the um, that has some negative will have some negative. You know, you're going to get your gamers are going to be gamers um, or some gamers. Is, but um, the um, uh, but I suspect that's the objective. Right. It's just to get the world um, passionate about something um, again uh, about an issue that ultimately it doesn't really affect most people. Um, that's what I that's what I think it's about. Um, and um, I'm sure it's going to be effective. The fact that. It, the, we're talking about it here and it's gone everywhere already suggests that they've, they've achieved that goal of making an issue um, public in a way that, you know, it, we knew it was going on. We knew these debates were happening, but they weren't really, uh, you know, we knew that they were they were being investigated, but, they, but to most other people, it was just happening in the background. Matt was saying earlier, you know, the, this, the people who are watching this in Fortnite and the people who are kind of, you know, observing this as it happens, they, they don't understand the reference of the ad, but they also are not going to understand any of the nuance surrounding this. And I'm not like trying to like talk down to people. I'm not trying to say, oh, the people who play Fortnite are stupid. That's not what I'm saying. Like if I, if I was not a business journalist and like paying attention to these things because it's my job and I saw something like this in a video game I was playing, it's not really likely I would look into it super deeply, right? Um, I would just, you know, kind of look at it and be like, oh, 
weird. Uh, Apple's trying to take away my video game? Like, okay. Like, I'm, I'm not going to dig into the court documents and, like, like the nuances of the issue. I mean, I don't, I haven't even really gotten a chance to dig into it yet myself and, like, try to understand, like, all the nuance here and, like, what's, what's actually going to go on. And I'm sure people are going to come out with some really great analytical pieces on what a decision either way could mean, you know, because it's going to go to court, there's going to be all this other stuff. Um, but the, the boiled down message here is that Apple is trying to take away your toys. And yeah, yeah. Th- there's no there's no depth to that. And obviously Epic is going to make a message that's going to serve its own interests. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I, I no... do not, I, I don't expect them to do anything else, but I think the fact that they have sort of come into, and I, I know they've known this for a long time, but the fact that they've sort of discovered that they have this massive platform with millions of people who will watch and then further that you know all these streamers will broadcast that message even further and the news outlets and like everything that Fortnite does has this massive ripple effect they have the ability to speak to millions of people and broadcast any message that they want and they're choosing to use it to garner support for this legal battle that really doesn't have anything to do with the people this message is being broadcast to it's just, it's weird and it's worrisome and it makes me concerned like down the road if there are other political decisions on the table, if there are political candidates on the table, if there's legislation that Epic sees will be to its benefit, you know, what, how are they going to use Fortnite to broadcast their own position and what sorts of information are they going to leave out of that message? Yeah, well, yeah, but then that's, that's, that's that, that is a thing, but that's also a thing with TV shows, it's a thing with um, uh, news stations, it's a thing with um, newspapers in the UK. Like they're all, they're all, they're all aligned towards certain messages in order to back up their own, uh, their own agendas. Um, and yeah, it's it's a thing. I don't disagree. And I, and but I mean, ultimately, that's what they wanted to do, right? They wanted everyone to be talking about. It. I, I yes, majority of people won't look into it, but some people will. Um, and uh, because, as I say, they've made it public now, as in they've really, really shone a spotlight on something, which was what they were trying to do. And it's going to, I'm sure it's going to, it's a very, I mean, it's a scary thing to do, really. I think that's the thing. It was such a major, such a major move to uh, 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 to to shine it on. And it's, I don't, you don't know what the repercussions of that's going well, to be. I mean, that's the, the reason why the, I'm This like, is the thing, because I, I feel like... Uh, you know that the real audience for what they've done isn't so much Fortnite as it is the the people in government in Europe and North America that are looking at these companies and have the power to actually smash the revenue shares. Right, like the, the, these investigations going on now specifically to examine whether these things, things like thirty percent, should be allowed to continue. And these are the people, these are the organisations, the entities that have the power to change that. And I can't help but feel that Epic's doing this because it wants a large group of people to make a lot of noise to turn the heads of people that don't play Fortnite and don't pay attention to all this stuff, but are in a position to change this stuff. The, the lawsuits puzzle me because, as you say, they're not they're not looking for damages; they're looking for injunctive action. But I also feel like that just seems to me to be situated in a general kind of strategy of making noise and bringing attention towards the the part of of the antitrust concerns that Epic is most concerned about, which is the revenue share. And actually, if I haven't been following the Congress uh, congressional hearings very closely, but I was chatting with our columnist Rob Fahey about this the other day, and he said that actually the, the 30% revenue share is kind of sunk into the background a little bit of, of those hearings, and it's a bit of like a side note, if anything. And maybe that that's part of it. It was a side note in the in the complaint, though, that 
epic file as well. Well, no, no, but yeah, it was, it was in there, but it wasn't. Well, no, there. it's in there, but but it's, it's tied to everything. The the whole basis of it being a monopoly and a monopoly that harms competition is that you're not allowed to impose different revenue shares to thirty percent. It's it's foundational, you know, to to everything that Epic is is arguing about. They are monopolies, but from Epic's perspective, they're monopolies because they're imposing this revenue share on people. I'm getting. I also I recognize this is a little bit of slippery slope argumentation, but it does make me wonder. Like, I I feel like Epic, aside from just getting more money for itself, like I wonder what Epic's end game here is. I mean, look look at look at them as a company. Like, they already they have they have their engine that like everybody tons of people are using i don't really know what the breakdown is but they basically have their engine um they have their pc storefront that they are slowly pushing more and more and more and it's slowly gaining traction and more features and more games um they have fortnite which is proving to be like one of like probably the digital space especially right now um they have epic and they're kind of publishing stuff and all the work they do there and more and more companies you know publishing through them they have their arms in like all these different spaces so what's the end goal here like are they, they, one of the things in one of the court documents was basically like if if Epic could make, I can't I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something like if Epic could make a phone or if or if Epic can make its own storefront on an on a, an iOS phone, um, and have it be and if it could make one, it would. And then on Google, if it could make one and have it be successful, it would. But it can't because of the things imposed by these companies. So is the end goal is Epic trying to make its own storefront on the on iOS? Like, I, is that, is that I think it might be a bit too narrow though, because I do think Epic isn't. It, it just assumes that everyone's everyone's interests are always self interests. I, I actually do definitely believe that Tim Sweeney and by extension Epic actually thinks about the impact that Epic can make across the industry and not just for itself. There is self-interest bound to that, but it's not like we want to store on 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 iOS, so therefore this. I actually think it's like we are one of many people that would like a store and none of us can have it, but we have the clout to do something about it. I actually do think that that's what drives them. I don't think it's all just yeah. how do we get richer. I think it's too simplistic. Well, yeah, yeah. And Epic's one of those companies that genuinely benefits the, the bit the more successful the industry becomes because it powers the games behind a lot of these games, whether it's Unreal or some of their other tech. So if game developers are more successful, then Epic becomes more successful as a result. It's it's they, it's one of those weird, it's those two things aren't, aren't, aren't separate. Um, so they genuinely want the games industry to be more successful because they are the primary engine supplier for the industry or one of them. Um, so, it, you know, it benefits, it, it does benefit them. I don't think you'll find many listeners to this podcast that, that, that isn't on Epic's uh, side, at least print in principle um uh to this uh so yeah it's they are they've always been that way so i I think epic's methods are very very suspect here i think it's playing a very dangerous game with agitating the kind of audience that it has i think everything you point out rebecca is absolutely right what what i do think is that the the motivations here are less purely self-interested than that and i think you can look at the epic game store and his example of this now it, it what well, Epic wants its own store, but it also thinks that 30% is too high for Valve to be charging for what it gives developers. And the Valve could charge much, much less, still be very, very rich, developers would have more money, and the world is a better place. Now, it, those are somewhat in opposition to each other, those points of view, but I, I, I do basically believe that Epic sees them both. And, and in challenging Valve and in weakening Valve, it becomes richer, but it also just creates a more varied ecosystem where developers have more power. Those two things are 
are exactly the same. A bit, what's striking about this is this is probably the single greatest flex I've ever seen in 15 years as a games journalist. I've never seen anything like this. I will say that much. You know, this is this is the owner of the biggest game in the world using the biggest gaming community in the world to get the attention of, you know, pan-continental government who are examining and disrupting two of the biggest companies in the world. Like, that is not... That's not everyday games industry activity. That's truly remarkable. I don't... I was saying earlier on to Chris, I just don't think it has a precedent. I mean, there's similar power plays by companies, but on such a smaller level. Like, this is this is quite an extraordinary thing that's happened. And in that way, I kind of admire it. You know, it's ballsy in the extreme because it's the other thing, like... Epic makes loads of money out of both of these platforms and it deliberately, knowingly, deliberately got both of those games removed from from those platforms just so it could stick it to Apple and Google. And that's amazing. That's truly amazing. And like I say, dangerous, very, very dodgy methods. But like, yeah, as journalists, like this kind of stuff is, uh, yeah. So it just like, revs the engine a little bit, I suppose. Not, not in a good way, but yeah. Nonetheless. I'm also super fascinated to see what else Epic thinks is going to happen next. Because like like we said earlier, everything that happened yesterday, Epic knew. Like Epic knew that if it did this thing, it was going to get both of its games re- removed. It knew that Apple was going to take the bait. It had those lawsuits ready at hand and it had the video ready. Like it knew. Mm-hmm. There, there was no way. Yeah. So like what what's next? Like does it does it sort of know what, what the reaction? Are there going to be more, are there more videos in the pipeline? Like what's what's the next thing? Like it's it, it's exciting. Exciting in a really weird Not way. Not even just on ethics level, like on uh, in the general, in this general look into the big tech companies and their, you know, the antitrust investigations. This has ramped up in my interest even more. Like so, as we were saying earlier, like we know that Apple is already under investigation for antitrust in the European Commission. I think Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google were all up against Congress for antitrust. Um, and as we said, like this, this has been a calculated move to draw attention to that. We already know they were paying attention um, because there have been disagreements between Apple and Microsoft and Apple and Facebook earlier this week. Was it this week or last week? It was Um, this week. That's actually what we're pointing out. So so Microsoft had to pull the test for Project X Cloud, which is its cloud streaming service, had to pull that off Apple early. Even when it was on Apple and it was only a test version, it was limited to 10,000 users and it was only limited to one title. You could only play Halo, the Master Chief Collection through cloud. Um, they pulled it. They said it was due to issues with Apple's policies. wasn't really clear as to what. Apple later came out and, and said that it's because we can't review every game that goes on uh, Game Pass or xCloud. We cannot review every game that individually goes on these services. And all all apps and games that are available through our, our App Store must be reviewed individually. And that's the, uh, pretty much the same reason why you can't get Stadia on iOS and why... Facebook has actually launched its Facebook gaming um, platform without instant games on iOS. The European Commission, in the wake of the Microsoft um, thing, because Microsoft Microsoft uh, came out and they had a statement along the lines of, "Our oh, Apple is now the only company, the only open, the only platform that is denying its users access to cloud gaming." Um, and it, it not quite as aggressive a, a statement as uh, as Epic has made, but it is still saying, "Look." Apple is the bad guy. And the European Commission did release a statement saying we are aware of the complaints against Apple, like, you know, amid its investigation. So when when they first announced, when, when it was first emerged, like, right, Apple are under investigation in the, in the EU, 
the big four uh, under investigation in the US. A lot of me thought, and this is cynical, but okay, there'll be looks at it and they'll be like, you know what? This is just the way it is. Everyone can stop whinging and let's crack on. There might be minor changes, but I don't know. I, I didn't expect much of an outcome. Having seen this, this stunt, and this getting so many people's attention, I'm now like, ah, could this bring about change? Could this, combined with the Microsoft and Facebook issues, plus these investigations, could we see real change as to how mobile platforms operate? Well, but I think that the, I think these investigations are happening because people are aware of those issues. I, I don't know that this moves the needle one way or another. What, what the xCloud thing shows is Epic has a point. Epic mm. is right. Like, there's, their methods are suspect, but Epic is correct. Apple, like, but also, you know, just to finish the thought, like, Apple does not demand to review every film, every book in the same way as it does no. games. Like, there is, there are varying standards at play here, and then Apple's one defense is we apply the same standards everywhere, and they don't. I mean, it's, it's, a, monop- it, it's a monopoly. There's no two ways about that. Monopolies aren't really allowed, so that's... Microsoft that's said as much, Microsoft has said, like, mm-hmm. Apple have always treated gaming differently. Have always treated gaming differently, like the you know, and made much the same point. Like the you know, they don't review everything on Kindle. They don't you know, on on books or musical film stores. They don't review everything on Netflix. Of course they don't. And and you know, Christ, they they give if if the emails found during the uh, European Commission's investigation are to be believed, all this thirty uh, percent cut talk. Um, they there's a special deal for Amazon. Um, in the you know after, so it's after the first year the take that Apple takes from your subscriptions goes down to 15%, but apparently Amazon managed a special deal where 15% is always been the cut it takes from Amazon Prime Video subscriptions handled through iOS. And Tim Sweeney came out last night and was like, this is not about getting a special deal like uh, like Amazon. This is, and again, we've, we've kind of touched on, this is about making everything better for Well, I mean, I'll say because Rebecca pointed out yeah, early, like what, what, what happens next? And I think that you just mentioned Batcher tweet from Tim Sweeney from last night and it does strike me that this is like he doesn't expect anything to be happening next week right he said today apple said epic is seeking a special deal but that's not true we're fighting for open platforms and policy changes equally benefiting all developers and it will be one hell of a fight exclamation mark like basically I don't believe Epic is in any rush to get those products back on those stores. I think what Epic is in a rush to do is make some noise and change things. That's what it wants. And it's because we got uh, sensor tower estimates today. In the last 30 days, they estimate that Fortnite on on iOS made $50 million. So this is not cheap. This is a big move. Epic believes this stuff. This is not, yeah. If it, if it just wanted to be richer, it could, it could get rich that way too. So I feel like this is like the first step in what's going to be a very long running thing. I, I, you may not see either of those games back on those platforms for a long time to come. I'm clearly going to have to start brushing up on watching old Apple adverts so that I recognise the references in Fortnite going forward. I wonder, I mean, okay, Apple was very successful before Fortnite. But I do kind of wonder, like, how much this actually hurts them monetarily because, I mean, it's it's got to, like, at least sting a tiny bit, right? Like, Fortnite is huge. Sting who? Apple or Epic? Apple, a little bit. I mean, uh, Apple, I think... I think bit. Apple made, like... I forget what it was. I read the figure the other day, but it's, like, $9 billion from App Store revenues in a quarter or something like it. I don't think it hurts them that much. I mean, Fortnite's a big earner, but actually, 
Sensor Tower had this estimate. It's like combined, like across both uh, Google Play and iOS worldwide, Fortnite is like the thirtieth biggest earning game or something, biggest earning app. So it's not, it's not even top ten. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I think what could sting them. I think what I think what could hurt them more is the noise. I think actually Epic, Epic again. We we all see the danger here, but I think Epic has done the calculation and said, you know, what's more important to us: fifty million dollars a month or uh, whatever, hundred million gamers banging their pots and pans. In other news this week, Halo Infinite has been delayed into 2021 uh, and Xbox Series X has been given a November window uh, for its launch, which means the next generation console is launching without the one and only first party title we've got confirmed. I'm trying to, I'm struggling to remember any other internally, nope, that's, that's it. it. Which, that's it. I don't remember. <laughs> So I'm, I'm trying, as always, whenever we're talking about next generation launches, I always think back to previous generation launches and I try to remember the, the, the lineups and particularly the first party lineups. The, one that, the smallest one that came to mind is I remember the GameCube, the wonderful, ever-loving GameCube, and I hate that Brendan's not here to, uh, to hear us gush about <laughs> no. it. Missed you, Brendan. Um, the GameCube is great. GameCube is great, specialist controller. GameCube launched with three, if I remember, three titles at launch it was luigi's mansion star wars rogue leader and wave race i think oh we have a more recent example james the nintendo switch which launched with only one real big first party game but breath of the wild is like basically the greatest game of all time so that is true that is true yeah but yeah but i don't don't get me wrong i know i'm not a halo fan i can't imagine halo infinite is going to be the greatest game of all time the point is they are launching a console without a killer app in the traditional sense in the in the traditional first party internally developed here this is what our machine can do sense they are launching without that. The The biggest things that Microsoft have to offer over all other consoles, other than the games that you can get on other consoles, is Game Pass. Now, Game Pass, as we've discussed, is a huge pro- uh, value proposition. It's a very appealing service. Is it enough to sell next-generation consoles? I know that's not quite the strategy they're doing. Phil Spencer alone said on um, Animal Talking with your your buddy Gary, uh, said that you know, we're not trying to sell, you know, sell more consoles than PlayStation 5. But still, the idea of launching a console is to sell them. You don't want them just sitting on the shelf looking pretty. You want them to be sold into people's homes. And they now have one less way of doing that. So Halo being delayed is a blow, right? It's a blow. But it's a blow to Game Pass. The platform is Game Pass, right? The, the, the Xbox Series X is just a delivery mechanism for Game Pass. So that's that's the you know, grounded launched um, uh, last week, this week. I can't wait, 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 What year is it? Um, uh, that's that's a game for Game Pass. Everything they're doing is for Game Pass. Halo was their big Game Pass game for Christmas, right? Not their big Series X game, their big Game Pass game. It was on PC, it was on uh, Xbox One, it was on Series X. It was that's their big game. Um, now, obviously, Series X, they want people to upgrade to Series X quickly. But the thing is, Xbox fans, um, they will they will get into Series X as long as they can get something uh, that uh, encourages them to. It might just be previous versions of the games they're already playing that look a lot nicer, they'll upgrade it. And then you get that momentum benefit of let's say Halo arrives in March or April, whatever, they've got another they've got another upswing to keep 
you know, that's what the Switch did very well. Switch is actually quite an interesting comparison because Breath of the Wild was a non-exclusive game that launched the Switch and then and then Nintendo just kept releasing things to get the momentum going. So they do need to get people to upgrade to Series X. That is important. And in that regard, it is a blow. But what they've lost is a big Game Pass um, exclusive at the moment. And the thing is, though, this is the glorious thing. They could buy one if they wanted to. They could, they could go to... Ubisoft and say, hey, we'd like Watch Dogs. Can we have Watch Dogs in Game Pass? They don't have to make it exclusive. Don't make it still be on PlayStation. It the can still one be on, I wonder, um, PC. Cyberpunk. We've already had a Cyberpunk edition of the Xbox One. I wonder if they if yeah. Cyberpunk on Game Pass, that would be a massive win for them. <laughs> yeah, they'd have to okay, pay a lot, kind of what, for that, a lot. <laughs> that is actually kind of what I'm waiting for is to see in the next couple months, I'm not specifically Cyberpunk, but if we suddenly get an announcement of like, two, three, maybe four big third-party titles that will be Game Pass at launch, yeah. like around the holiday. That would sort of be what I would consider a solid counter strategy. Because if you look at that blog post from Xbox Wire where they're you know announcing this news about Halo and then also very specifically pinning down the window for the Xbox launch to November, um, they, they focus on two things. They, well, three things. They focus on the power of the console, which, okay, whatever. They focus on the backwards compatibility um, with you know the the enormous amount of games from not just the Xbox One but from previous generations that will be playable at launch on the Xbox Series X, um, but then also they talk just a lot about Game Pass. We know that Game Pass has been you know their big strategy for a long time, but they really really focus on all the things that are available on Game Pass, and it's it's interesting to see them sort of take that turn because I I love Game Pass. Game Pass is so good. I don't need to buy a new box for that. Um, but it, they're they're writing it so hard, and especially with uh, cloud gaming coming to that in what like I think. September, they said, um, so kind of right on time. And I, I don't know, I, I'm curious to see how it works out for them. But I also think that if there was ever going to be a console launch year to not have a big, powerful system seller title, this is probably, I guess, the one you want, because I feel like fewer people are going to have the capital to spend on a big piece of technology this holiday to begin with. And we're going to maybe see quite a, more more people than usual. I'm not saying no one's going to buy a console, but I'm saying that fewer people than usual are and more people are going to hold off on the decision until, you know, things yeah. sort of steady after this like bizarre recession that we're having. And so if they can come out swinging next year with a bunch of big titles for next holiday or like middle of the year or sometime, I think that they can still salvage their position yeah well momentum is really important in the console race though you know there's that thing in the old world where it was always the race to 10 million the first one to get to 10 million wins because it's very hard to turn back from that point but um what you're saying is isn't isn't i mean <laughs> there's also the other xbox console they haven't announced yet the series s um which yeah. is which is which is supposed to be a much much cheaper device um and uh which will almost certainly undercut PlayStation in quite a big way. And if you've got, if you say to them, hey, buy a Series S or a Series X if you want to, you get Game Pass for a month, two months, three months, whatever they're bundling with it, because they will bundle it with it. And you get, oh, you, if you've played, if you're an Xbox fan, you're probably on board anyway. If you're not an Xbox fan, all those games from the last few years, Forza Horizon 4, Gears 5, Sea of Thieves, whatever, that's, you've, you've you now experienced those games. They look much better than ever. Uh, and by the way, we've signed. We've also you will also get access to Watch Dogs or Call of Duty or, or, or Cyberpunk or whatever the whatever game they 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 can't hope. You know, we'll see what they do. They invest in in order to get a to get a Game Pass inclusion. Um, that's um, that's that's still quite a compelling value proposition, um, and it will probably see them through the launch of the machine. It is a blow, though. I think you know, not having their big. Their big tentpole game for Christmas, their big, uh, a big iconic title, 
is a blow. But um, I think a bigger blow would Halo coming out and it not looking very nice and people being a bit critical of it. You know, that's an important brand for them. So, um, you know, they had to make, weigh that up and, you know, they've made the right call. But uh, it is a really hard call to make. And um, and it is it was... It was previously the biggest news story. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with I struggle with this because I because you know intellectually I know that you're absolutely correct, Chris. That you know the platform is Game Pass and Microsoft's you know not selling a, a console; it's selling Game Pass. But at the same time, it is also selling a console, and uh, I can't help but feel that Microsoft. The whole point of Microsoft having and you know it's not just selling a console; it's selling the most powerful console on the market, right? So and that's a deliberate choice on its part. So to say that it's completely above the old school hardware race is not true, like. They are absolutely still participating in that. Otherwise, why make why make a console that's you know quote unquote the most powerful? Like it's it's the the classic woolly waving contest of old uh, at the exact same time. But I do think that what it is is that machine combined with Halo might mean that you know in this kind of opening sort of three to six months of of the next generation, you sway some. Because like you know, because Xbox 360 was ahead of PS3 last generation, and a bunch of Microsoft gamers, uh, Xbox gamers, went went to PlayStation or made PlayStation their platform of choice. That that console plus Halo and Game Pass could have made people change their minds. I think Halo's delay really weakens that possibility now. That there's really no and and that's still tied up with the selling Game Pass thing, right? But the the Game Pass proposition, but I think that. It's such a huge, it's such a huge amount of money to spend that surely the only reason for them to even be doing this is because they're trying to really bring new people into the Game Pass system, not just getting people to upgrade. Um, I, f- I feel like the delay of Halo, while it's not irrecoverable because it's a service company now, Microsoft, that's the way it's looking at its business, it, it, it genuinely does seed some ground that it potentially could have gained. I think one of the advantages it's got is that when you look at PlayStation, it's not quite clear that they have the the big, massive game to kind of fight against it anyway. So I think what you're saying feels right to me, Rebecca, that I feel like 2021 becomes more the decisive year and that the end of this year is just not really the right time to judge it. Yeah, I do want to go back to what Chris was saying, though, because I, I'm super curious about this Xbox Series S because so Sony has already announced that they're, they have a digital edition of the PS5, but we don't really know anything more about it aside from the fact that it's just a PS5 with no disk drive. Like, we don't know if there are any other differences. We don't know what the price, we don't know the price of either machine. And then on, on the Microsoft side, we know even less. We know, we know there's an Xbox Series X. The only reason we know there's an Xbox Series S is because there's, there was like a leaked controller or something going around. So people, people are, it, it's confirmed to exist. But we don't know what it is. Is it just like an all digital edition? Is it a smaller, cheaper version um, with less so power? Like we don't docu- know for sure. What we do? We know. Well, we don't know. But there's been documents that developers have leaked out to the press that's been okay. doing the circling around. It's 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 got. Is it, hang on, is Teraflops GPU? Is that the? Mm, um, yeah. I, can, I always get this wrong, so I'm gonna say more hardware. Yes, I think I think, um, I think so. Basic graphics, more graphics. So yeah, so it doesn't have. It has like four teraflops or something compared to the twelve. So that's significantly reduced. But the CPU is apparently roughly the same. Um, it's got. Uh, it's, presumably, it's still got an SSD in it. So it. it and the CPU is the important thing from apparently according to developers. So it, it's um, apparently apparently that's what it is. Um, it's a. Uh, it's that kind of. 
product. Um, so right. well, that's that's really fascinating though, because like if they if that that really like highlights your point, right? Like if they, I was thinking of it before as okay, both both of them have a big console and then both of them have a digital console, and the digital console will be like you know fifty to a hundred dollars cheaper, and it'll be like whatever. But if that's really the case, then yeah, they do have a chance to really undercut Sony and in a, going back again to this really bizarre year we are living in, that might actually make a significant difference for quite a few people if, if that's what they do indeed decide to do. Especially if they bundle it with like, you know, however many, like three months of Game Pass or whatever they want to well, do. That I mean, you, you just sell somebody a cheaper console that's really good and new and has a Game Pass already on it. Um, you have all these games, you don't have to buy a bunch of individual games for Christmas. I mean, heck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. And But I do think you need a new title to lead that. I think that's the thing, right? You can say you're getting Game Pass and you're getting all these great games. You may never, if, if you've not bought, if you weren't one of the 40-odd million that bought an Xbox One, you've not played Forza Horizon 4, or maybe you'd probably play it on PC, um, or or maybe, you know, Gears 5 or whatever. Um, and that's great, but people want new stuff. So you do, I do think there needs to be a new, big new game in that system, for in that system for Christmas. But to back up what Matt says, actually, Yes, Xbox do need to sell a new console. We saw it in the last Xbox event. Like that, their big games beyond um, beyond Halo Infinite, Forza, uh, Everwild, um, um, or you know, uh, uh, I need not my glass over just then. I'm completely distracted. All the games that they've announced, Fable, that kind of stuff. Um, they don't look like they're coming to Xbox One. So they do need those Game Pass subscribers on Xbox One to move over the period of eighteen months, two years from. Uh, one console to the other so that they can just focus on that machine and you know they don't lose any subscribers in the process um so they do need people to upgrade it is important for them to sell that that machine or at least to make sure that people are moving on to pc or moving on to xcloud or, or whatever in order to they do need to migrate customers they don't need to do it straight away um but they do need momentum and if it falls down right from the start if the console series x just or, or s doesn't doesn't do the business right from the start i, I think they've, they've given themselves a real uphill battle but um yeah it depends what they can do i think in order to to replace halo this christmas and it might just be i, I think it could be the signing of a big third party game into game pass yeah i mean i why mm. so i think a lot of it i, I think it would be interesting if you know, the, the Halo effectively becomes the launch title for the Xbox Series S, right? That that that's that becomes... Because for me, I'm really interested in the S because I suspect, and I've not seen the price, we don't know the price, but I'm pretty damn sure it's going to be beyond my budget this year. And I'm much more interested... And I, and I, but I don't really necessarily want the most powerful console. I want a more powerful one than I've currently got. The S seems to fit that really well. And also, I think that Halo, Halo is... A launch title for something so it'd be a bit weird for me if you if like the x like sort of limps out with no launch title then halo follows like six months later than the the s two months after that if i was in microsoft i'd be really wondering what those two could do together uh, but obviously we we're not quite <clears throat> details of the hardware aside if there been any credible rumors about what their launch plans were for the s like how how long after the x it would be before that one was launched no, I mean, I don't even know if they were planning to do it afterwards. I if they're doing planning to do it yeah, during the same time. Um, um, I, I, I know very little. Um, 
to be I, fair, I've most of it. I, I know even less than than Chris does, but like since PlayStation announced both the you know the physical the the digital and disc based versions of PlayStation Five, every time I hear rumours of Lockhart or Xbox Series S, it's like ah, those will be side by side to compete with PlayStation. But I don't know how possible that is. Uh, when are we gonna get the pricing on these things? No, no. With Halo, with Halo out of the way, the main question about the Christmas lineup is when are we gonna get that Nintendo mm. Mario? When? Oh. Nintendo is so. I mean, I just don't walk into a Nintendo uh, <laughs> news any forum at the moment. They are seething. They are very angry. Um, <laughs> um, Pikmin Three. I've never seen such a, an unhappy reaction to a game. Um, I know I like Pitman as well, but I think fans are um, frustrated that, um, well, they are frustrated that they, uh, you know, Pikmin 3 is landing in the, Pikmin 3 Deluxe is landing in the Luigi's Mansion slot from last year. It, and um, at the moment, every time Nintendo announce a game, it's one for like a couple of months time. So the fact that they've announced something for October has told Nintendo fans they don't have anything in September, they don't have anything in August. And that means that um, their big game, their next next game from Nintendo is a Pikmin 3 port in at the end of October and it's uh, it's causing some you know fans are impatient um, uh, they they perhaps not entirely tolerant of the pandemic situation and um, they are uh, they want some they want Nintendo to give them some stuff um, so uh, yeah they are they aren't the best pleased yeah well well Rob's, Robin is Rob Fahey uh, our regular columnist uh, founder of GamesIndustry.biz now living in Japan and having a very nice life of it he wrote in his piece today something that. I think it's kind of relevant here that, you know, Nintendo is in a position where it can be actually a bit more honest about the impact of the pandemic on, on, on how games are being made and, and how slow things are. And, and Nintendo did warn investors, look, this, this is going to result in delays. It is going to result in, in slower rollouts of products. And in its last financials, it, it didn't really have anything on the slate to reflect that, right? But Sony and Microsoft are not in the position to do that because they're in the uh, drumming up excitement business. They can't do that. But with the, the, with the delay of Halo, it's kind of the pip chickens coming home to roost, as it were. Um, one point Rob did make was that because Sony's committed to so few titles as actually being ready for launch for the PS5, we're Miles Morales aside, I think we're still quite unsure about what will be coming out for that. But Rob's point was it's hard to imagine a situation where the pandemic didn't cause something to drop. It's just that we know so little about what's supposed to be coming that we'll never find out anyway. But but that it, that just means that the delay of Halo probably won't hurt Microsoft. And this echoes what others have been saying. Probably won't hurt Microsoft all that much because the thing that hurt Microsoft is hurting Sony too. They're both in the same boat. If I'm going to be slightly cynical right i think if you've announced a game that's coming out for this year you must have been sure it was going to come out this year because no one else the reason why nintendo haven't done its direct yet is because they're not entirely sure what will be ready for this year they or even the stuff that they want to show they might even have trailers ready because of the delay they're not quite sure what date to stick at the end or what year to stick at the end or what month to stick at the end you know they want to be able to make sure they've got that they're in a, in a position where they can be a little bit more certain about what it is they're telling consumers before they tell it to them. And I, I suspect, I and mean, that's what's happening in, um, that's what's happening with Call of Duty, and that's what's happening with um, um, uh, PlayStation. You know, place, I knew that a couple of those games that PlayStation announced during its um, PlayStation thing, I knew that they're targeted for this year. The fact that PlayStation didn't confirm it suggests that they're aware the pandemic might mean that they don't come this year. That's, what I'm, that's, my, that's, my, that's my take on it anyway. 
But if you're saying a game's coming out this year, you must think that that's definitely, that's not going to slip. So if, if PlayStation said Spider-Man will be out this year, then PlayStation must have been quite sure about it. And I think Xbox, therefore, must have been quite sure Halo was going to come out this year. And I have to wonder if it was the reaction to the visuals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, in the, the thing has made them go we need to look I've at this s- and then they realise I've got to say I watched that and my, my one concern about it was not the visuals it's just that it's just remade the first level of Halo and that that seemed like an odd thing to do but I actually thought it looked fine I, I really don't understand it it looked like yeah, a Halo yeah. game which it's well, supposed well, to look yeah, like like, it. like, it like a, a prettier Halo game well, what were people expecting Obviously, in a minority of those, because like, I, I listened to um, I used to do a podcast in my spare time when I when I was but a gamer, and uh, I listened to, to I still listen to my mates um, every week, and like they they said like oh Leah looked really odd, it looked really flat, and like they 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 digital flat. foundry readers they they it's on a see television. the sort of differences that I don't. <laughs> it's li- it's literally flat. It's a flat image, two <laughs> D. It's on I, a screen. I, I, I agree with Christo. Like, I, I, as much as Phil Spencer um, jokingly says that Craig the Brute is now the mascot of Halo Infinite, I, I do wonder if like the the backlash and the sheer amount of memes that 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 one enemy created, I do wonder if that that pushed a right. We need to uh, we need to polish this, but we we don't have the option of crunch because we're all at home. Well, we've we've closed the loop a little bit on this podcast because we we started off with uh, with Epic knowingly stoking the uh, the flames of the of the vocal minority of the Fortnite community and we finish on Microsoft delaying the release of an entire game because of a vocal minority in its own community and uh, to, to what you just said back to we're in the minority no we're the majority it's the minority that have a problem with the graphics they shout really loud and it always baffles me that games companies seem to be aware of that particularly particularly in this case because as we've also said hey it doesn't matter if people pay 60 bucks for Halo. That's not what it's on Game Pass. People are going to play it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't see anyone, even even your mates on their podcast batch, refusing to play Halo on the service that they already pay for because the graphics are a little bit flat. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... What's going on? Uh, yeah, but I will say, Halo 4 and 5 wasn't, has, didn't receive the greatest of receptions. I mean, they weren't bad games. And I think Microsoft are in a position where, where you know, with that brand, which is still their, um, you know... Their, their king brand that they that they want they don't they want to make sure they get this one right um and um and i think if even if it's even if it's the minority i mean i know most halo fans i've spoken to proper super halo fans thought it looked great like my brother and he's got a group of friends absolutely love halo and they they thought it looked fantastic but um yeah i i do wonder though some of those pr assets how they got approved i mean i just yeah there's a there's that one screenshot that went around that it's watching the trailer i i see how that exists in the world and i think it looks fine but on its own if that's like the one thing that you're seeing of the game i'm kind of like eh, what's going on here yeah it reminded- but there's, there's there's plenty of just ask like i mean i've taken a gajillion screenshots before that i look at later and i'm like this game is really lovely but this is not the best representation of yeah. this game. yeah but i mean that's the thing right you know when a when you've got a triple a game I, i've seen indie developers go go painfully go through every screenshot to make sure everything is nicely positioned and everything's nicely sized up and it, this is the perfect shot or this is this the shows the game in the best light or this is the most suitable thing so the fact that microsoft who are you know very good at this i'm sure uh, let that through that's what surprised me i'm I, i'm surprised that no there are there are still a bizarrely small number of available assets for halo infinite because we keep on having to find assets for our front page and it's always the same one or two screenshots there's master chief glaring at the camera there's the rings with the soldiers walking through in the smoke that's it that's all there's been for like 18 months as well like it's there's nothing and i know that they released assets but 
you would have thought that a game two months away from being released, I mean, you can just look at every other game. You've got like, 20 screenshots a year before, so maybe there are deeper problems with that product. What it does make me wonder, though, is like how maybe like the, the fact we don't know the prices, how are they going to come out and announce £600 for an Xbox Series X with no Halo alongside it? Like, that's, that's just cheeky. I, I, don't, I don't know how you do that. With that question hanging in the air, I'm going to wrap us up because that is all we have time for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You can find all our previous podcasts on uh, any podcasting platform of your choice. If you haven't already, do go back and listen to our previous episode, which is Rebecca's first episode of her spin-off, The Game Developers Playlist. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about this. Oh, gosh, now you put me on the spot. Uh, Game Developers Playlist is a new spinoff podcast that we're going to be running about once every four weeks. Um, it is it is a spinoff of Why I Love, um, which is a written column we've done on the site. But in that podcast, I talk to folks around the industry, mostly developers, um, about the games that have inspired their work. Uh, in the in the very first episode, I talked to Aaron Lindy, who incidentally works at 343 Industries on Halo <laughs> Infinite. Uh, is lead Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron's <laughs> doing great work. They all are. They're all doing. No one's work. complained about the story. To be fair, no one has complained about the story. Just the graphics. <laughs> Halo Infinite looks great. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I talked to Aaron Lindy about uh, Earthbound uh, and how it's inspired. Not just his. We we don't talk too much about Halo because that's like you know mostly under wraps. But um, he's also worked at Arena Net on uh, Guild Wars Two. He worked on Battleborn. Um, he worked very briefly at Bungie. Um, so he's he's worked on a lot of things around the industry. We talk very in depth about Earthbound and how it is shaped him as a game developer so it's a lot of fun go listen we're going to be back on Monday with your regular news show and then shortly after that we'll have the second spin-off we've been working on which will have the, uh, the first episode of that in the meantime you can find all of your news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz mm-hmm.